The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Development, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. It has been eight years since 25,000 Syrian refugees were resettled in Canada. Our country, in keeping with our commitment to the United Nations Commission for Refugees, is obliged to protect refugees and treat them according to international standards. Noor Suleiman and her family fled to Canada after dodging bullets, landmines, and barrel bombs in Syria. Noor and her family were some of the 13 million Syrians forced from their homes. Some moved within their country, others fled fearing for their lives. In an earlier Conversations That Matter interview, Noor said, 17 of us would pack into my father's car at a moment's notice. My grandparents, parents, aunt and uncle, and my cousins all squeezed into the car to escape numerous deadly attacks. It has now been seven years since Noor and her family arrived in Canada. I invited Noor Suleiman to join me for our Conversations That Matter to share how life in her new home is unfolding. Noor, it's so wonderful to see you again. Thank you. It's so good to see you again, Stu, and thanks for inviting me back. I'm quite um, um, moved by uh, the opportunity to be able to say, I'm part of a country that reached out to other people to say, you know, come and join us, uh, and, you know, hopefully we can provide a safe haven for you. How's it been going for you and your family since you got here? Um, it's been going well. Um, the first couple of years were pretty rough. Um, you know, we did not speak English, we did not know the language, we didn't know the culture. So we were faced with kind of, you know, culture uh, shock. And then, you know, we need kind of to adapt to basically everything, like the lifestyle, the culture, the language, the system. So definitely was challenging at the beginning but with there were a lot of help and support and resources available for us so with the help of that of these resources we were able kind of you know to adapt and become canadian citizens was the language the biggest barrier or did you find that people were uncertain and in not knowing how to invite you in I think for my family, the biggest one was the language, because like, how would you know that the people are uncertain to invite you in if you don't speak their language? So the first barrier was like the language. You need to have that because like, like a lot of people were like, you know, curious about us. They have questions for us, but like, how can they communicate with us? So the first barrier was the language, because like, if you did not have that language, if you did not have that tool, how are you going to communicate with others? So the biggest would be the language. You also had to learn, like, well, where are you going to go to buy food? And what kinds of foods can you get? And yeah. well, what does the money look like? And, yeah. and so you start to work your way through those challenges. Yeah. But at the same time, were you also wrestling with, okay, for the last year or two, every time I turn around, I hear a strange noise. I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. How long did it take for that concern about, you know, a, a car making a, an odd noise, yeah. uh, not making you go, uh-oh, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in danger of my life. Personally, I would say three years, but even so, until today, like if something just explained, I, I would be jumping. And even for my younger sister, I remember the first time we heard like firework, she was jumping and crying. So it took her like a good couple of times to see that these are fireworks. That's like this pretty, you know, scene is coming from that loud noise. So she took her time to link these two sound to that kind of beautiful firework to adapt. So 
took us and still taking us time. So what was it like for you, because you were still in what would be high school yeah. when you arrived here, to make that adjustment and start to, you know, pick up on the curriculum? Yeah, the I think I was really fortunate because I was placed into Sir Charles Tupper School and then they have like an ELL program. So basically all students who are not just students, like any other immigrant students that are like within the age of high school, they would be placed in that program. So everyone in my class also not speak English. So, yes. <laughs> but, but not necessarily Arabic either. No, no. <laughs> no but then they were... They were like, because like when we came, there was like a, oh, so many of us. So in my class, it was me, my siblings, and then another, like, I would say 10 Syrian kids. Mm. So we had our own group. So, you know, you would have like a group who speak Arabic, a group who speak like Spanish, another group who speak like Portuguese. And then, you know, when we don't understand what's the word, I remember like we would look at my friends like, what does this word mean in English? And then we'll translate it and then we'll look at the other student and try to speak English. So I think having that dynamic, having that, you know, everyone in the class also don't know how to speak the language. We are all learning. I think that made it like a fun kind of experiment and took a lot of kind of the weight and kind of, you know, the embarrassment or like, I don't know. That was all not there just because I feel like of that dynamic. So that definitely helped that we all learned the language together. I mean, there were other um, students, you know, other just like English native uh, students in the school, but we did not really interact with them much just because our classes were in completely different kind of section. And yeah, I think it was really that dynamic and having these people in our classes at home. And so how long did that go on be before you started to then integrate into the regular curriculum in the high school? Yeah, so when we first came, we came like in January 2016. It, we took us a couple months until we found a house and then we registered in school. So we started in kind of the last semester that was just in the ELL program. And then the year after, after like a couple months and after you can start, you know, they see that you actually can handle, um, you know, other classes, they would move you. But even when they do, it's still like, because sometimes they would be like English speakers, but they are struggling with their language for whatever reason. So they would have also classes for that. So it wasn't like, oh, you finish the AL program, you jump right away into these kind of other regular classes or you are a full time into these classes. So I would say it took us like another year or so. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. You said during the first couple of months you had to find a house. Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned in my intro that there were 17 of you that were on the move when you were back home in, in yeah. Syria. How many of your family came to Vancouver and how many moved into that first house? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, a lot of those are the people who kind of escaped to Jordan, but to Canada, it was only my family kind of selected. So it's just me and my immediate family. So me, my parents and my siblings, so six of us. Six of you. And were you, did, was it difficult to find a place? Yeah, like, extremely difficult. What, I, what kind of place did you find? We are actually, we live in a BC housing. Okay. Yeah, and we have been living in a BC housing since we came here. And it's been extremely difficult for us to move out because we have been trying to move out because like we live in a three bedroom house and yeah. Three bedrooms. Yes. It's a very tiny house for six members and we're all like, you can imagine adults, like the youngest is 12, but then I am 24, my brother is 23, the other one is 22. So we're all kind of full grown up, but 
we're kind of sharing our bedroom. So we have been trying so hard to move out, but we can't afford it. It's just very, very expensive. We can't afford to move out. Well, and have your parents been able to secure employment? Yes, they are. Yeah, okay. so both my mom and my dad, they are, they are full-time employed. And same as one of my brother, he's a full-time employed. Me and my other brother, we are full-time students, but we also have like a part-time job. But even with that, we can't buy a house and we can't even go out and rent. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? So your, your parents, when when you were in Syria, what kind of work did they do? Mm -hmm. Were they professionals? And if so, was their professional designation recognized when they came to Canada? Yeah. So my mom was like a, here you'd call it like a pharmacy assistant, but back home it was larger because pharmacy assistants here usually like behind the counter. Back home, it's, I would say they are more like kind of like a pharmacy if you want to kind of compare the amount of uh, the workload. So my mom would call her like a pharmacy-ish. She worked in um, a public kind of community health center. And my dad, he was kind of, I would say like a representative, the manager of kind of big, uh, um, like these drinks like Coca-Cola, uh, Pepsi, all kind of these kind of big uh, companies. So he was kind of the representative and the manager. So he was kind of their first point of contact. They would contact him. And then he was responsible to distribute these drinks to all um, kind of the province of Dara, which is where I used to live. And when my mom moved here, you know, she has her degree, but that was not recognized. They said, no, you basically would have to start all over again. And then my mom was like, I already have like four kids that need to go to school. I can't afford to mm. go to school for that long to be like a pharmacy again or to gain that designation again. So she still wants something to do with the medical field. So she did a program at VCC. It's called Medical Reprocessing, no, Medical Device Reprocessing Technician. So it was a year long program. She did the program and now she works at St. Paul's Hospital. So she was able to get work, but yeah. not quite at the same designation that no. she had back home. No, and she needed to study for that and get uh, a degree for that. That must've been challenging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your father? Um, my father, he, he's, he's a driver. He's driving. He's driving. Yeah. He works like for a company as a driver. And unfortunately, it is very difficult to integrate into higher levels of employment yeah. and whatnot yeah. when you come to this country, isn't it? Yeah. And especially like if you are like old enough, I would say. So my mom, I would say compared to my dad, the adjustment was easier for her. But for my dad, it was a bit harder. I mean, he speaks the language, he gained his kind of citizenship, but it's still like, I want to say like he's pretty fluent, like he speaks it, but he's not kind of fluent. Like, you know, this yes. kind of fast conversation, you get it to slow down for him to understand it. So, you know, for older people and then for kind of all their experience, the best he could get here was like to be a driver. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. On the whole, are you are you happy that you're in Canada? Yes. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> because it is quite a different culture. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we it's a very liberal culture here. Yeah. Do you find your time, yourself at times looking at things that are going on going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'm witnessing that? Um. Do you have an example in mind? <laughs> mm, walk down the street in Granville Street and go, wow, that's an interesting display of uh, humanity. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh -huh. the first, because I live nearby, actually. And I remember the first time I walked in that street. I was frightened. 
I was in a complete shock. I came from a country where I have never seen any, even like in the war, I have never seen anything like this. So the first time I walked there, I was like, because I did not know what's going on. I did not know the history behind it. I remember walking there, so I'm just like, what is going on? What's going on here? It was a complete shock for me until I remember I went to school and then I was talking to the librarian. She's like, I was on that street. I saw this and this. What is it? And then they were kind of trying to bring me on the history. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, why there isn't more help for these people? Why there isn't more actual resources? So, yeah, I have definitely seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> No, I'm sure, because it would be so completely different than what you would have seen <laughs> back home. As I recall, you, you came from the Aleppo area, was that right? I came from Dara. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but you never would have seen anything like you see here? No, no, huh? never. I mean, now after the war, yes, it, it's more like people are displaced and they are on the street, but not the substance use and the other right so you let's come back to your educational journey because yeah. i find it very fascinating about where where you're at yeah. you graduated from high school yes and what are you doing now i am a student at ubc so i am a fourth year student studying i know it's going to be a long name i'm studying behavioral neuroscience and minoring in microbiology and immunology wow <laughs> so what is your objective then medical school you want to become a physician yes. or a I specialist? A specialist. I want to go and become a psychiatrist. That's my dream. That's a lengthy education. I know. I know. <laughs> so you talk about the fact that your your family is, you know, living mm -hmm. tight financially. Yes. yes. What is it that happened that um, put you in a position where you're able to go to university? I think that this is a great story and yeah. it's really how we came to meet yeah mm -hmm. i well thanks to the bd luminaries and to mr ryan bd it was through the bd luminaries program i was able to go to school without their scholarship without their help and assistance i would not be where i am today and i want to mention something and i really want to give them the credit for the bd and the whole bd community i really call them a family to me because they are not just financial supporters. Yes, there is that aspect, but there's a whole a lot to that program. There is a mentorship program. There is the real program. There is a lot of kind of work is being poured into that program to help students grow and, you know, learn more about who they are and how can they explore more, um, you know, the world basically outside of university. They actually prepare you. So, and they, they give you all the support that you need. And yes, uh, medical school is expensive. I have a lot of program to go ahead. But again, thanks to BD um, Luminaries, now they launch a new program. It's called the Graduate Awards. So now they give uh, 25000 for two years. I know it's not going to be enough, but I would still look for other resources. But even with that, I'm very grateful for them for that. It's an extraordinary act of generosity. Yes. Have yes. you ever witnessed anything like that? No. No, well, neither have I. I think that no. it's no. unique to what, what we're doing here. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. 
So you've been here for seven years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how do you think that Canada has started to shape uh, how you see the world mm -hmm. and how you envision your future? I think after like seven years, I definitely have changed. I think the biggest change I see is in kind of in my personality and in my perspective. And I mean, thanks to Canada, Canada is a very diverse multicultural. So there's a lot of perspective. There's a lot of kind of scopes and lenses you could see the world. So I have learned to see the world from different lenses, from different perspective and then integrate, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I forgot my culture and no, I'm just like integrating my own culture with the culture and the values that I see here. So I think the biggest change I would say was in mental health, kind of the whole perspective. How do you see mental health like as, as a whole theme where I come from? It's like a taboo topic. A taboo, like you wouldn't even bring it up. No. And it's very unfortunate, especially after the war, you would expect a lot of people would be struggling. And it is, but people are not even talking about it. They would take their kids to the doctor without even mentioning it. I have heard a story where a kid was struggling, struggling to the point where they were kind of slamming the doors and then they would have like these mental breakdowns. With some certain advice from outside Syria, they were convinced to take that kid to the doctor and then the neighbor their kid is struggling with the exact same issue they came and they asked what did you do to your son how did you help your son my son is struggling they were afraid to tell them mm -hmm. because they would be kind of named or tagged that they are crazy so they would not even tell them that oh i took them to that doctor wow yeah so that's definitely a topic that i'm you know as and that's something I want to study. And, you know, through my studies at the Behavior and Neuroscience, I understand that mental health and mental illness is a real thing. It's not people like, it's not an illusion. It's an actual thing. It's, you know, brain chemistry, it's actual health crisis. So learning about that and then also looking back in my country and see how they view it, I have been trying so hard to, at least the people who are close to me, to convince them that it's a real thing. They mm -hmm. are not sick they're not crazy they're actually sick and it's fine the brain gets sick just like other parts of the body do you think that this is a strength in canadian culture yes. that people are open yeah. to talk about themselves their yeah. own challenges but also this openness to ideas that may be uh, different than what you may have thought was uh, supposed to be like is this a strength for canada i think it is strength you know, when I walked into the high school, there was a counselor and that counselor, yes, they help you with your academic and, you know, where to apply to a scholarship and such. But these are counselors. They can actually talk to you about your, your personal problems. They could even direct you and connect you with mental resources if you need it. We had that back home, but they did not do anything. It was just a label. And then they were labeled as, oh, they did not do well in school. That's the only thing that they could do in both secondary. So that's why they went for that degree. And then in school, they would be walking around and drinking tea. Then they do their job. But here, it's a completely different story. So I feel like even in elementary school, they start with ingrediting the concept that mental health is a thing. Let's take care of your mental health. Let's take care of your wellness. So yes, it's definitely a strength. 
when you think about your future, are you going to stay in Canada and continue to give back? Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be here. I'll be helping the people here. But at the same time, I'll try my best to help people back home because they don't have anyone. Wow. That must be hard at times for you to, to look back to your home country and see what continues to happen. Yeah. It's very challenging and heartbreaking because I feel like I'm helpless. I can't do anything. I am in a better place. I'm doing well. But the people I love, the people I care about are not. So I try to help them as much as possible, but it just does not feel enough. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to hear you say, I'm doing well. Uh, you talk about the fact that your your family, you're all squeezed into a three-bedroom yeah. apartment. Yes. Uh, and, you know, money is tight. Yeah. And yet you're happy. Yes. And, and so how do you characterize what that, uh, the source of that happiness is and how it manifests itself on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I mean, happiness is gratitude. I am in good health. My family are in good health. I am with my family. We live in peace. We're healthy. So that's happiness. And yes, three bedroom is a very tiny place. But back in Syria, we had three different families live in three bedrooms. So each family had one bedroom. Yeah. So yes, three bedrooms is tiny, but I have seen worse. And you know, I'm not saying that I'm just going to take care and stand. I'm, we are trying to improve our, you know, our situation. We're doing our best to kind of move out and you know have a better life. But that doesn't mean that. I dislike where I am. I'm grateful for what I have right now. And your siblings, how are they doing? They're doing well. Yeah. So one of them is in, he graduated with um, associate degree in kinesiology, and now he's in a trade school doing electrician. He's doing what? Electrician. Yes. Electricity, he yeah. loves that. Yeah. And then the other one is a full-time employee. He's trying to start his own business actually. Well, that entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. I mean, it, he it really it, has it. <laughs> and, and what kind of business has he started? I know, actually, he's still kind of switching, but I assume something with car and trade. Well, I actually am, uh, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm thankful that in Canada we uh, recognize our commitment to help people yeah. who have found themselves in the situation that you and your family did. Yeah. I know that it's not a straight line and it's not particularly easy yeah. uh, making that adjustment, mm -hmm. but I believe that, um, you know, uh, as this country continues to grow, mm -hmm. we become better and better as we invite people yeah. in to help us build in what in my mind is a truly blessed country. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, I loved seeing, I mean, it's devastating what happened in Afghanistan and then in the Ukraine, but I loved seeing how, you know, Canada also opened its doors and welcomed them just the same way it did for us. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you very much for, for being a part of this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening and please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a subscriber. And thank you to Audlin Brown, BD Developments and Stem Cell Technologies for their support.